Hey everyone, welcome to the Naz Church Weekly Message Podcast. Here you will listen to the preaching pastor from the Naz in Grove City, Ohio. We pray you are inspired by their teachings. Man, it's good to be with you guys this morning. You can go ahead and be seated if you can. Good to see those of you watching online. Uh, summer's almost here. You know how I know it's still spring and it's not quite summer yet? I still have socks on. During the summer, there's no socks. There's no socks during the summer. So if you look, if you want to know when it's summer, just watch. When no socks are on, that's when it's summer. Uh, we're going to be talking a little bit today uh, out of the Gospel of John, chapter 21. Uh, this is week two of our series, Jesus in the Waiting. What we're talking about is this time after Jesus was resurrected, but before he had ascended to heaven and the Holy Spirit had come, kind of this in between, the disciples are going, what, okay, what's going on? There wasn't really a whole lot of... It doesn't appear public preaching and teaching, not a lot of miracles. We don't read about any of that. Just Jesus kind of appearing and talking with his disciples. And the disciples today appear to be doing what a lot of guys like to do. Some of you are saying, Pastor Dale, why do you have a fishing pole? Well, today's story revolves around fishing. And I don't know if many of the guys here are like where I grew up. Uh, I grew up between Miami and Key Largo, Florida, in a place called Homestead. And so we would go fishing a lot. So if you had a bad week, you know what you did? You went fishing, right, right. If you had a good week, you know what you did? You celebrated by going fishing. That's right. So you go fishing a lot. And so the disciples are going to be doing that, but they didn't fish. This is an old pole. This pole is almost 70 years old. It was my dad's. It was um, refinished by a high school buddy of mine. It has glow-in-the-dark eyelets. It's a pretty awesome Pretty awesome. This, this uh, actual reel itself, I think I, I think I told a fib first service. I think it's like 30 years old, this reel is. Um, but that's not what they used. I mean, the disciples, they just used like nets that they would cast out, but they were fishing. They just went back to doing the stuff they wanted to do, the stuff they liked doing. And, and part of the reason is their leader, the guy they kind of followed, the guy they kind of hung around. His name was Peter, right? That's how we know him. His real name was Simon so we read about Simon throughout the New Testament. So I'm going to ask you again, open your Bibles, John chapter 21. If you have just the New Testament, it'll be the fourth book, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. If you have a, a whole Bible with Old and New Testament, probably about three-fourths of the way back, you'll find the Gospel of John. But I'm going to talk to you a minute about Peter, because Peter is one of these guys that, that had highs and lows with Jesus. He was all over the map. There was moments he would do really, really great stuff followed up with some of the most stupid things you've ever seen somebody do before. And so if you look at scripture, uh, you're going to find throughout these first four books of the Bible, uh, Peter doing quite a few different weird odd things. Today's story takes place in a city, a little town called Tabga. Now Tabga is about two miles from Capernaum, which we, we hear about Capernaum. That's where Peter's, Peter's house was. But Tabga is just a little bit down the road, and this is the place where it's believed that Jesus came and called Peter and Andrew and some of the fishermen because there are seven warm springs there in Tabga that, that basically help keep the fish warm during the winter. Um, when it gets cold, the Sea of Galilee gets cold, these warm springs, the fish would kind of gather around them. And so it was a great place to go and cast your nets and fish. The problem is Peter and his buddies don't usually do very well fishing, but this is where they were when Jesus finds them and says to Peter, hey, follow me, I will make you fishers of men. If you want to find all the different passages where these stories take place, uh, they're in 
the home guide that you can find on your NAS app or you can find it online at the nas.church slash home guide and you can kind of follow along with us uh, with what goes on in this message. So another great story about Peter is uh, one of the times that after Jesus had called him, um, he kind of walks around with Jesus and gets to go a number of places with James and John. They're like the inner circle. They get to be with Jesus with some, when some awesome stuff happens. The first one I want to talk about is in a, the Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus is walking along with his disciples. He goes up on this mountain, takes Peter, James, and John with him. Pastor David preached about this a while back. And uh, we find Moses and Elijah appear with Jesus up on this mountain. And then they disappear. And instead of just standing there in awe and waiting for Jesus to explain what has just happened and what they should do, Peter starts talking. Lord, this is awesome. This is a great thing. I know the best marketing plan, right? Three tabernacles, one for Moses, one for Elijah, one for you. This is what we're gonna do. It'll be an awesome thing. I know some carpenters, they'll do it. They'll do it, it'll be a good thing. Just going, you don't understand, Peter. This is not what this is about. In fact, I don't want you three to talk about it. Stay quiet about it. It's supposed to be silent right now, Peter. Just live in the moment, can you? Can you please just be quiet? <laughs> Thank you, Peter. Uh, the next one, this is a little girl raised from the dead. They go, uh, Jairus' daughter, not doing well. Jesus takes Peter, James, and John to the house uh, with the other disciples and all the people that are there saying, she's dead, it's horrible, you're here too late. Jesus going, she's not dead, she's just sleeping. They're going, you don't know what you're talking about. We're here, you just arrived. Jesus says, just get everybody out. Uh, all you people that are mourning and wailing, all of you with your casserole dishes, just back off. Peter, James, and John, come with me. They go into the bedroom. He goes to see the little girl. He says, little girl, get up. She gets up. Peter's there. He gets to be a part of this moment where he watches a girl raised from the dead. It's a pretty awesome moment. Peter gets to be a part of that. Pretty cool thing. The next moment that we find him is uh, in Gethsemane. This is where Jesus takes Peter, James, and John with him a little bit further into the garden. He takes all the disciples with him. Then he says, you all stay here. My three homies are going with me. He takes them a little further down, says, you all wait right here. I've got to go pray. My heart's very troubled. Can you pray with me? Stay here and pray. We've got your back, Lord. And they fell asleep. <laughs> he comes back to him a couple different times. Can you not stay awake? They couldn't do it. Peter gets to be in some of these inner moments and he does wonderful sometimes. And he does horrible Sometimes, Another great story that we have is uh, in get, there in uh, Capernaum, uh, Jesus goes to Simon Peter's house and his mother-in-law is very ill. Uh, it says that she had the fire, she had a fever, which in that day before Tylenol, ibuprofen, Advil, uh, aspirin, you know, how do you take care of fevers? You just, you don't, you let it work its way out. And so sometimes people die, it's a scary thing. And so uh, they show up. And people run to Jesus and say, Simon Peter's mom or Simon's mom, mother-in-law, she's sick. You notice the one person we don't read that went and told Jesus? Simon, he never went and told Jesus, my mother-in-law's sick, can you heal her? He just let it go. I'm just gonna let that one lay there. <laughs> some people will say, Jesus goes in and he heals Simon Peter's mother-in-law. And some people would say, Simon Peter never forgave Jesus for that. Um, I can tell that joke because I don't have a mother-in-law, okay? Those of you that have mother-in-laws, quit laughing. Okay, quit laughing. But this happens, right? Simon Peter's highs and lows of his life. He gets to be with Jesus. 
during all these moments. What about um, his confession a few weeks ago? We talked about that here. You can find it in all three gospels. He's on his way up to Caesarea Philippi. Jesus says, hey, who do the people say that I am? Then who do you all say that I am? And Peter nails it. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus turns around and says, Simon, your name's no longer Simon. Your name is now Peter, Petra, Cephas, Kephas. That means the rock. You're the rock. And on this rock, I'll build my church. The gates of hell won't prevail against it. Less than two minutes later, after Jesus begins describing, this means I'm gonna have to go to Jerusalem. I'm gonna be killed. Peter goes, no, 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 no. You don't understand, Lord. That's not how it works. And, and, and Jesus turns around and goes, get behind me, Satan. How'd I go from Peter to Satan in two minutes? Highs and lows. Peter's on the inside, but he can't keep his mouth shut, right? The next one, there's two good moments, two really good moments. One's in John chapter six. John chapter six, Jesus does what I call the reverse altar call. And you know, quite often when we open the altars and have people come to pray, you know, if not enough people come, pastors think up other sins that you may have committed so you can come. They just keep doing more and more, right? And so it's trying to get more and more people here. Jesus is preaching and he's talking about, unless you, unless you really follow me. Now he uses this, these words, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood. Now we look at communion and talk about it that way. But for those people, they didn't know about communion yet. This is a scary, this is weird. It says in that point, many people turned and left following Jesus. And Jesus does the reverse altar call. He turns to the disciples and says, what about you? Y'all going to leave too? Jesus, you don't know how to gather a crowd, dude. This is backwards. Peter looks at him and says, Lord, where would we go? You have the words of life. He nailed it. I mean, Peter nails it there. He had the right answer. Jesus later on in the book of Matthew is teaching, Matthew 18, where he says, hey, um, it's really hard for a rich man to enter into heaven. It's after this rich man walked away sad and wouldn't follow Jesus because he had a lot of money, didn't want to give it up. Jesus said, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. The disciples listen to all this and say, good grief, if it's that hard, who's going to be saved? Jesus says, with, with men, this is impossible, but with God, anything is possible. And then Peter pipes up again. Okay, Lord, we left everything. So what do we get? He didn't leave. You said it's a bad thing, but we did. We left our nets. We left our jobs. We left our stuff. What do we get, right? And I can picture Jesus turning around going, Peter, every time I'm with you, you never catch fish unless I tell you where to catch the net. It wasn't a big deal that you left your job, okay? Shut up about it. Just let it go. Jesus looks at Peter and says, Peter, tell you the truth. In the end, when things come, you'll get your reward. But right now, just follow me. Quit worrying about that stuff. So Peter has these moments, these highs and lows. The last moment that Peter had with Jesus had been a moment where Jesus is, it's his last night. He's with his disciples. He's talking to them and he says, hey, I gotta tell you guys, the time's coming for me. And tonight they're gonna come and they get me and, and y'all are gonna be scattered. Every one of you, will leave me. Peter goes, no, 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 Lord, you don't get it. I'm with you. I mean, remember, I'm Peter. You took me into all these moments and stuff. I will stand with you. I walked on the water to you. Yeah, 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 I took my eyes off you and I, and I placed it on the waves and I sank for a bit, but you helped me, right? I mean, I'll be there for you. No matter what, if every one of these other guys leave you, not me, I will be there for you. Jesus looks at him and says, hey, Peter, before the rooster crows, you will have denied me three times. Sure enough, that's what happens. Peter has to live with the agony 
of having stood up so strong and fallen so hard. So what's he do? He goes fishing. He goes fishing. We can find it in John chapter 21, if you have your Bibles with you. Stand with me real quick while we read this passage, just out of reverence uh, for God's word. Um, Here's how it reads. Later, Jesus appeared again to his disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there, Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, which is James and John, and two other guys. I don't know. I guess they weren't very important. You know, I remember if I, I go back to John and go, you couldn't remember my name? I mean, we get two other guys. Uh, can't you name us? Anyway, that's a side note. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they said. So they all went out to the boat, but they caught nothing all night. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. So he called out, hey, fellas, caught any fish? No, they replied. Not surprised, Jesus says. Throw your net on the right side of the boat. You'll get some. I can see if I'm in the boat, I'm going, oh, throw it on the right side of the boat. We've been throwing it on the wrong side of the boat. We've thrown it on both sides of the boat all night long, man. But imagine with me the God of the universe who created everything, who knows Tabga, who knows there are seven warm springs there. Says, dudes, you floated right over by one of the springs. There's a bunch of fish grouped together there right now. Cast your boat on that side now before you miss them. They cast their nets over. They go to reel it in. They can't even pull it in. There's so many fish. Um, So they did. They couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish. Then the disciple that Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic for he had stripped for work. I do not advise that this week, okay? When you go to work, don't strip, don't strip for work. It's not, it, it might not go well. So he jumps in. Anyway, this is all the way backwards. He's naked at work. He goes to jump in the water, throws a tunic on. That, that, anyway, but he does. He heads to the shore. The others stay with the boat, pulled the loaded net to the shore, for they were only about 100 yards from the shore. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish, cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. How's he have fish? They were the ones fishing, but he comes prepared for them. Bring some of the fish you caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard, dragged the net to the shore. There were 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus served them bread and the fish. This was the third time he had appeared to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. Father, we pray that you'd be with us this morning as we look into your word. Speak to us. Uh, Lord, we know that you came and you found the disciples there, there by the sea. We pray that this morning you would come and find us right where we're seated. Lord, for everyone under the sound of my voice, wherever they are, that where they're seated, where they're at right now, Lord, that it would be their own place right there by the Sea of Galilee, that you would speak to them, that you would come to them, you would sit with them, and that, Lord, each of us would have an opportunity to have this conversation with you this morning. Holy Spirit, come and speak to us. Make known to us whatever you need to say to us right now. Use the words that I'm gonna speak plus whatever you need to speak to anybody else's heart. Lord, draw us close to you today. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So this next section we're going to get to in just a moment. 
Um, it's not going to be, you won't find it written the way it'll be up on the screen. It's, um, I call it the, the GDBV, I think the GDVP, uh, the Glendale Benson paraphrase, okay? Because there's some weird stuff that goes on here. How many of y'all have ever been part of a, a define the relationship, you know, the DTR conversation, right? How many guys in the room, you just got cold sweats when I talked about the define the relationship conversation and why are all the ladies laughing? Because you know, it's an awkward moment, right? It's, it's hard, it's difficult. How many of you guys have been part of a DTR moment that went wrong, right? It went south on you, yeah. Some of you have had those in eighth grade, right? You write the little notes, you fold them up, you send them, I like you, do you like me? Check, yes, no, it's at least private, you think, until she shows all her friends, you know, and sends it back. And then you gotta live with all that, right? But sometimes you go and you talk to someone about that. This morning with the ushers, I walked in before we had prayer in the morning and, um, I walked in the room, and so I just wanted to do kind of what Jesus did with the disciples to see how awkward it would be. And so I was standing there, and I said, hey, guys, do you love me? <laughs> and they, some of them, it was just quiet. One of them goes, I mean, I mean, I mean you're, all right, you're all right and stuff. I mean, you know what? It's going to just, this is what happens, okay? Jesus calls the disciples in. They've been fishing. They've been doing manly things, evidently with no clothes on, you know, and they come in. And they're sitting there eating fish. They're sitting at the table eating. And Jesus looks and he says, hey, Simon, son of Jonas, do you love me? <laughs> Kid, this is awkward, okay? In Greek, it's even more awkward because they had different words for love, right? They had a word, eros. Eros is kind of this word. It's like just the base form of love. Eros, sometimes it comes across as erotic. Um, that's where we get our word from, but it's, it's also just, just junk that I, like I love pizza, okay? It fulfills my needs. That's what eros is, okay? So there's eros, there's, there's philos. That's philo, uh, we get Philadelphia from that word, the city of brotherly love. It's, I love you, I love you like a brother. I know you, got you, I love you. And then there's this word agape. Agape means I selflessly pour myself out. I unconditionally love you. There's nothing you can do uh, that will change my love for you. I love you deeply. Here's what Jesus says to Peter. Peter, Peter, do you selflessly and unconditionally love me? And actually he says Simon. He doesn't even call him Peter anymore, which is like a knife to the chest. Simon, you love me? He answers, Lord, you, you know you know, I'm, I'm rather fond of you. I, I love you like a brother. Gotcha, right? And Jesus says, feed my sheep. Then again, he said to him, Simon, son of Jonas, do you, do you selflessly, unconditionally love me? Lord, you know I'm rather fond of you. You know, I think you're awesome sauce. It's basically what he's saying. I mean, you're, you're, you're great. Remember, I, you know, we've got each other. You take me into all those special places with you. You know, I'm the one that's confessed you as Lord. I, I got to walk on the water with you. I was there for those moments. Remember in the, in the garden of Gethsemane, when they brought all the temple guards and all the people, I'm the one who drew my knife. And cut the dude's ear off. Now, granted, it wasn't one of the soldiers. It was a servant, but I still did something, right? The rest of the guys just stood there. 
I was trying to stand up for you. Yeah, 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 I denied you and that other stuff, but you know, I, I love you like a brother. I can't say unconditionally, selflessly, because I denied you. I, you know, you know this. I love you. She says, shepherd my sheep. What in the world? Where is this coming from? One, one more time, for the third time, Jesus says again, the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, are you even fond of me? Jesus changes the words. The first two times he asks him, do you agape me? Do you love me selflessly? Are you willing to pour out your life for me? And Peter's going, dude, you know I love you like a brother. You're my bro. I got you. I'm here. Things aren't turning out the way I thought they would, but I still, I love you, man. You've seen you do stuff, some cool stuff. I'm, I'm there. Jesus says, then feed my lambs. Each time Peter responds with that philo word, philos, I, yeah, I love you like a brother. What's crazy is at the very end of this, Jesus says to him, hey, here's how you're going to die. And he tells him about his death and how he'll be kind of dragged around and he won't be in charge of how he dies. Somebody else is going to be in charge of that whole thing. And then he ends it by saying this, follow me. The same thing that he had said to them anywhere from three to five years earlier, depending on how you place Jesus's calling of the disciples. He calls him by saying, follow me. Peter had been through highs and lows with Jesus all over the place. Jesus is sitting there with him saying, hey, do you love me? And he ends it all by saying, follow me. Remember that thing I told you at the beginning? I know you've done great things. I know you've done stupid things. I know you've failed. Follow me. Follow me. Quit putting your eyes everywhere else. There's three reasons, three different ways I think we can look at this passage, I should say. Three different ways that we can interpret this for our lives. I want you to picture Jesus asking you that question. Do you selflessly love me? Do you unconditionally love me? He's asking you, not Simon He's asking you, fill your name in there. Do you love me? Because here's the issue. The issue is, is love. It's the God pay versus fellows. I think sometimes Jesus comes to us and says, hey, see the place where the nails were? See the, the place on my side? Remember the cross? I died for you. That's how much I love you. And we go, dude, that's awesome sauce. That's awkward, isn't it? That's awkward. <laughs> I, I died for you. That's how much I love you. Well, I like it when you do cool things for me, Jesus and all, but quit talking about this death thing. He says, I, I love you. Here's what's crazy is Peter keeps saying, yeah, I'm, I'm fond of you. It doesn't change the call Jesus has for him. He says, come follow me. Whether you're all in or not, just start following Wherever you're at, come follow me. There's another cool thing that happens here in this story. Three times, Jesus asks Peter, do you love me? Uh, some people think that's because Peter had denied him three times. So Jesus asks him three times as a way of fulfilling and, and kind of reconciling Peter back to himself. I'm sure it was like a dagger to the heart each time Jesus asked, do you love me? 
Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Feed my sheep. Do what I've called you to do. But Lord, I've screwed up. I denied you. Follow me. I love you. Follow me. I want to reconcile you to me, Peter. There's an awesome story in the book of Matthew uh, that we find in, it's in Matthew chapter 18. Um, Peter comes to Jesus and says to him, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Should I forgive them seven times? Now, Peter does this. If you know Peter, we've already seen Peter's got highs and lows, right? Peter is coming because he's wanting to look good in front of everybody. The law, the Old Testament, said you needed to forgive someone three times. If one of you had a cow and it wandered into, out of your pasture and into my field of vegetables and mushed all over them, destroyed them, started eating them, I was to take the cow back over to you and say, hey, your cow got out of the, out of the barn again. Your cow got out of its field. It was all my vegetables, messed them up. And dude goes, dude, I'm so sorry. I'll fix the fence. Okay, great, thanks. Just don't let it happen again, okay? The second time, the cow comes across again. It does it all over again. We take the cow back and say, dude, I know you make money with cows. I make money with my vegetables and they're getting all chewed up and torn up and stomped on by your cow. Can you please take care of your cow? Yes, I'm so sorry. I forgive you. Just take care of it. Great. The third time it happens, I do the same thing again and I take it back and say, okay, you know, I forgive you. You know, I'm so sorry, dude. I'll fix the fence this time. I'll make sure that it can't get through. Great, great. The fourth time the cow comes across and gets to my vegetables, we're having filet mignon that night. Okay, that's the way the Old Testament worked. Three times and I'm having steak, okay? That's all I have to forgive you. So Peter comes and says, hey, Lord, how much? I know you've got a higher standard here, so how much should I forgive my brother? Seven times? I mean, that's three plus three again and one more for good measure. Seven, the perfect number. Boom. Very righteous, aren't I? And Jesus says, no, no, no. 70 times seven. Take that seven, multiply it by another perfect number, 10, and then multiply it by seven again. Peter's going, this is ridiculous. So you're basically just saying forgive everybody all the time. Whenever they come and ask for it. Jesus says, pretty much. How about we just say it this way? How many times do you want me to forgive you? That's how often you should forgive somebody else. Ouch. I don't want to look at that. I want, I want to tell you this. So Jesus does not ask us to forgive others more than he is willing to forgive us. Jesus doesn't ask us to forgive others more than he is willing to forgive us. In this moment, when Jesus looks at Peter in three different times, says, do you love me? What he's saying is, Peter, I'm restoring you. Those times that you messed up, I love you. I forgive you. Now follow me. Let's get up from here and move on. That takes us to number three, the call. Christ calls all of us to follow him. No matter where you are in your journey, no matter where you are in life, Christ's call to Peter years ago was follow me. His call that day, follow me. Peter was at a different place in life. Peter had already walked with Jesus three or four years. He'd had these great moments. He'd had these low moments. You think he would have earned something a little different than follow me. But what Jesus says to him is, follow me. 
Yeah, you're further along, but you still ain't at me yet. Still got a ways to go. Keep following me. Follow me, Peter. Feed my sheep. Take care of my people. Look like me. Act like me. Talk like me. Walk like me. I know you've had ups. I know you've had downs. And right now, during this period of time as we're preaching, we're in this middle time, this waiting. Waiting for God to do what only God can do in and through us. And later on in May, we'll get to, we're talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit. We find in the life of Peter, when he begins to let the Holy Spirit fill him, he becomes a totally different person. Where God begins to work through him in such a way that he begins to keep his eyes on Christ and look like Christ and act like Christ and talk like Christ. But it starts with Jesus looking at him and saying, do you love me? Do you love me? So that's the question that Jesus has for you today. He's not asking you to get prepared for it, okay? I know there's some of us in here that are going, Pastor Dale, you don't know what my life's been like. I've messed up stuff. I've screwed some things up. And um, I've got to get some things in order before I can come to Jesus. Let me get some of these things worked out so I can get to the starting line and then I'll be ready to go because I'm not even at the starting line yet. In fact, I'm not even in the stadium yet. Jesus said, who said anything about a stadium? Who said anything about a starting line? I just said, follow me. Some of you may be sitting here going, man, I'm, I'm living with God. I'm, I'm doing things right. I'm following him mostly. You know, I awesome sauce Jesus. I mean, I'm at church every Sunday. I'm doing Bible study. I'm in a small group. I'm serving. Jesus' call for you is follow me. Take your next step. Keep following me. Till you look like me, walk like me, act like me, talk like me. Till you love like me. I love you selflessly. I love you unconditionally. Do you love me that deeply? Where when things don't go your way, you still love me. When everything doesn't happen the way you wanted it to happen, you still love me. When you've messed up and you're so angry at yourself and ticked off about what you've done that you feel like I could never love you, know that I love you. And all I'm asking is that you love me. Follow me. You may be at the place where you can't even say, I love you unconditionally yet. That's fine. I'll take you right where you are. And you can learn how to grow in that love for me. Let's go. Follow me. This call is a call that no matter where you're sitting today, whether you're around your coffee table, sitting in your car, sitting at the dining room table, sitting here in one of the seats, Christ is coming to you today saying, hey, do you love me? Here's the really interesting part of this story. Peter's the one who denied Jesus three times. Peter's the one who messed up. Peter's the one who has run off and is off fishing. He's not looking for Jesus. He's out fishing and Jesus comes looking for him. I never hear Peter in this story say, Lord, please forgive me, I messed up really bad. It may have taken place in the conversation, but we don't hear that part. What we hear and what we see is this, a God who died for us, who died on a cross, that the guy who was supposedly one of the closest to him that denied him three times, Jesus goes looking for him and says, I love you. Do you love me?
follow me. So here's the question I have for you today. I'd like you to, I'd like you to think about it. I'd like you to picture yourself by the Sea of Galilee. I'd like to, like, if you don't like fish, pretend you're sitting there with Jesus eating something else, whatever it is you like to eat. He knows what you like. He's made it perfectly. And he's sitting there with you and he says to you, insert your name here. I love you. Do you love me selflessly, unconditionally, fully? And I want you to fill in this blank. Well, Lord, you know. Love you like a brother. You know I love you when you do good stuff for me. You know I think you're awesome sauce. That means I love you. That's what makes the sauce so awesome. However you're saying that to him right now, some of you may feel like, I can't, I can't say those words yet. I, I like him a lot. I like the stories I hear about Jesus, but I don't know him enough to love him. Here's what he says to you. Follow me. Follow me. The call's the same no matter where you are. Will you start taking that step toward him? There may be some of you in here that you've been trying to follow him for a long time, but you've not reached that point where you're ready to say, I love you the way you love me. This week, as I talked to somebody about this passage, uh, they came and spoke to me and said, I know I've been struggling in my relationship with God and I realized what it is as you talked about that today. They said, I've always known that God loves me selflessly and unconditionally. I've never understood he would love to have that for me as well. If I would love him the way he loves me. Folks, God's big enough to handle. He's big enough to handle your love right where it is. Through the highs, through the lows, through the good, through the bad, he still came to Peter and said, I love you. Will you bow your heads with me? Father, I pray that you'd be with us this morning as we sing. That as we're seated right where we are, that, that each of us, would take a moment to picture ourselves by the sea, there with you. Father, that as we sing, as we listen, as we pray, that you would come beside us right now. That we would hear you tell us that you love us and that, Lord, we'd have conversation with you today. We'd be honest. God, I pray that you'd help everybody in here to know you already know what's in our hearts. Simon admitted it. Lord, you know Everything You know what's in my heart. You know how I feel. God, I pray that you would help them to see and hear you say to them, okay, let's go from there. Follow me. God, help them to take that step. Father, I pray that you'd help me to take that step. As Jared spoke today, Lord, about what happened last night and saying, God, today, be with me. Help me take my next step. That Lord, we would do that today. All these things, Father, I ask and I pray in Christ's name. Amen. You can stand if you want to. You can stay seated if you want to. As Katie sings, I want you to picture yourself there by the sea and Jesus coming along to speak with you. Thanks for joining us for this week's podcast. Stay connected with us at thenaz.church.